0: Hi!
1: Hi!
0: And say hello, everyone.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: And wait, wait. Go back and say, "I'm Theo." I'm Theo. And say, "This is Nick podcast." Yes, podcast.
1: Okay. Good job.
0: Good job. Nick What's in the queue? hello and welcome to another episode of nick flicks podcast i am your host nick and today is a very special episode it will be broken up into a couple of different interviews because today's episode is the 30th anniversary on the 1993 steven spielberg classic jurassic park Doctor grant my dear dr satley welcome
2: to Jurassic Park.
1: Still moving, Hurts.
0: How'd you do this? I'll show you. All right. Uh, I'd like to welcome a very special guest uh, who I met on Twitter through uh, just the love of the movie Jurassic Park. Uh, Everyone, please welcome Tom. Tom, how you doing today?
3: hey yeah i'm good thank you nick thank you for having me on the show this is gonna be a lot of fun
0: yeah awesome man yeah no we we've chatted for a little while and you know it's funny i you're you're one of a a couple of people who um i've met through twitter overseas yeah. uh where it's like you know across the pond where it's like man the hardest thing of trying to get people on <laughs> is our huge six hour time gap it could be yeah. very tricky <laughs> so uh yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this. So, really um this episode's very straightforward, but I want to know Tom, what is it that made you fall in love with the 1993
3: classic Jurassic Park? Yeah. I think really Jurassic Park is just a cinematic masterpiece. Um and I I don't feel like there's much else you can say beyond that. I think just the amount of love and attention that clearly went into crafting a film that is just incredible in its own right really really shines um I mean obviously from a cinema standpoint something that I've spoken about before is the fact that this film really stands at a sort of junction where visual effects technology really was just being pioneered for the first time and this really was the film that revolutionized that so I think the film has its own place in history um, in terms of the fact that it really has shaped the way that cinema and cinematic storytelling is done today but also I really think that Jurassic Park just as a story is such a strong piece of cinema like it's not a grandiose spectacle it's a group of characters trapped on an island with dinosaurs and you get all of the intensity all of the horror all of the thrills that you would expect from that in this film so it is just that sort of perfect hollywood cinematic adventure i think
0: for sure yeah and um i was gonna you know what i forgot to ask you too is uh I mean, I know you're a huge fan of Jurassic Park. Have you read or listened to the Audible of the book, the first book, Jurassic Park? Yeah.
3: So I've read both books. I've read Jurassic Park and the Lost World. Um, And I find it so fascinating how different the film is from the book as well. (laughs) Like It's really interesting that the the film especially, I feel like it's sort of takes away some of the more r-rated scenes in the novel and sort of replaces them with things that are a little bit more hollywood friendly but i think it still nails the tone of the novel which is taking this thing that is sort of fantastical and really awe-inspiring and turning it almost into this um vessel through which you explore some really dark and almost horror-esque beats at times
0: oh for sure well and i think too for jurassic park like so i've listened to both uh jurassic park in the lost world and i just couldn't imagine trying to if if they were going to do a more like okay let's do it exactly like the book first of all the movie would be way too long and second it's like that would need to be like a mini series and and it would be interesting to see a mini series version of just someone doing an adaptation just of the book exactly how the book is but i do think spielberg took like okay given the fact that it's 1993 and how at, like you said you you said it beautifully about like this really sparked something in in hollywood that had never been done those on yeah. the visual effects side and like <laughs> there's so many scenes in the book you just couldn't do practical or at least at that time yeah. it would have taken too long and um i think he took kind of the not just the best bits of the book but like you said to for a more family friendly audience while still making a movie that has scary moments and like and it still feels like one of these, like the monster element's still there, yeah. but it's more than just a monster movie. It's why, again, a movie like Jaws, like Spielberg's like the best guy at taking like monster books and being like, okay, we can make them into good movies too, without it being um, monster driven.
3: It's like the perfect adaptation, isn't it? Because <laughs> it takes a lot of the um sort of tonal beats that you have in that novel, but equally it really does take the book it well, the film in its own direction. Um, And I I feel like there's so many interesting moments, like like you referenced, there's a lot of set pieces in the novel that don't make it into the film. Um, Two of which stand out to me are the T-Rex chasing after the raft down the river. I was gonna say that one (laughs) and then also the um raft itself actually going through the aviator and having the encounter Mm -hmm. with the oh is it ceredactylist in the novel i think yeah Um, i think so
0: yeah it's been a while but yeah i think i've probably
3: just got that wrong feel free to drag me jurassic twitter (laughs) just go for it it's fine (laughs) um but yeah like those encounters even the fact that it doesn't have those which are arguably quite iconic moments in the book and it Mm -hmm. still manages to sort of find its own moments and create its own icons i think is a real testament like you say to spielberg and his ability to take source material and adapt it and still create something that's just as timeless
0: yeah and there was an interesting uh um quote i saw from james cameron about how he was originally pitched to do jurassic park it was like in a bidding war and then like steven spielberg uh and amblin won it um and he was like you know as much as i would love to do my version of this he goes after spielberg's came out he goes there was no way i could do what spielberg did he goes he did exactly what should have happened and uh and I mean, you know, it, it is inter- it would always be it's always interesting to think of like, well, how would another director have done this? But you almost feel like any director who did that, the movies would all be so different because, again, there was so much to yeah. pull from this book. And really, all the movies that have come after have pulled stuff from that first book. That's how much yeah. stuff was in there. Um. So now, I mean, I know you're, you know, a huge fan of this franchise. Is there like if you had to pick like your one favorite scene from the first movie from first Jurassic park, do you have like a a favorite scene? Uh, um or like even like a favorite line or you know kind of like what are some of your favorites from this movie
3: yeah so i i can give you both i mean my favorite line has to be clever girl um it's <laughs> just that that moment of you see the sort of like realization on robert muldoon's face and you know that at this point the hunter has been out hunted um i just think that's such a cool moment Um, and I think for favourite scene it has to be that T-Rex breakout you know, I remember when I interviewed Ty Ruben Ellingson who was the VFX um, oh I want to use the word director but it's not quite the right job title but the, one of the people who looked after the VFX on Jurassic Park um, he was saying that they made a conscious decision to do that at night time so the VFX looked better and I think like that whole sequence again it comes back to sort of what I was saying at the start where you look at something that's been really crafted with a lot of love and care and attention and I think that sequence is it like the CGI with the fact that it's done at nighttime, it looks so much better than it would look in the day you get the natural effects of the rain you get this sort of like almost elongated sequence where you're going from horror beat to horror beat as the t-rex breaks out and it uh, chases malcolm then it almost stands on the kids then the ford explorer goes over the edge it's just such an iconic sequence and I I always feel like it's a cop out saying that that is my favorite sequence because (laughs) I think it is the sequence from Jurassic Park, but I think there's a reason why so it resonates with so many people, and it's just because it is honestly such a good example of cinema done well.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah, and it's it's one of those two that I think you could almost break this movie down to be like, well, what's your favorite? Dinosaur sequence and what's your favorite Like character sequence yeah. But this one has a bit of both because you do get Like the smarts of Of Dr. Grit in this scene About like hey you know like When he yells to Ian to freeze And, and yeah. Ian's trying to be brave And there's so many good moments It's also like The first character of any substance to get killed, and again, spoiler for anyone hasn't seen this movie. (laughs) If you've not seen Jurassic Park,
3: why the hell are you listening to this (laughs) podcast? Go and watch it, and then come back to us. Come back, yeah. So, uh,
0: (laughs) but when when uh um when the lawyer gets eaten on the toilet, so and, and again, you want to talk about different from the book. Uh, Gennaro—he's a a way different character in the book.
3: He's actually, like really buff in the book, I think. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and he's and he's like he survives and he helps yeah. out and he's not. But but I see why they were like, look, the lawyer character's got to be just a slimy lawyer, which he kind of is. But he's also like he's not a bad guy. Like they don't. Yeah. The only bad guy in this movie is Dennis Nedry. He's the only yeah. one where you're like, oh yeah, he should probably get eaten for the fact that he kind of is the reason why all these dinosaurs are now getting out of their, uh, areas. Um, and, and that maybe is maybe the second most outside of the T-Rex break is I think his death because of the, you know, the barbersol can falling and getting covered yeah. up. And it's like one of these things where you're like, Oh, is he going to get, is he going to get to the barge? What's going to happen with him? And his death in the book is even like, it's so gruesome. Yeah. And just like the, they explain it. I'm like, I could. The see description of him getting disemboweled
3: has just stayed with me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one. It's one of those like, oh yeah, he gets his come up and's even worse in the yeah. book. Um, but yeah. So now, uh I mean, you've obviously you you've seen all the other ones. Is there any moments in any of the sequels that followed? Which which I know, like the Jurassic Park series is. It's it's an interesting one because it's a yeah. series that's not always been well regarded and kind of <laughs> the newer Jurassic World movies have really, in my opinion, at least I know in a lot of people's opinions, have been letdowns. But are there moments in the other ones where where you think that maybe they they got a little bit of that magic as the first one, not as yeah. a whole, but like maybe there's like certain moments you like that you're like, OK, I mean, maybe the movie didn't live up to what I thought, but I did like that moment.
3: Yeah, I think the moment that always sticks out to me is Jurassic World um, when Grey goes into the hotel room for the first time and opens the door and you get the crescendo of Michael Giacchino's music as you see the full Jurassic World and you get that like wide panning shot out across the lagoon showing you the full park. I think for me that's always really resonated as well because that is the polar opposite of Jurassic Park so Jurassic Park you have this park that fails and it's John Hammond's dream ultimately that's failing and then in that sequence in that moment especially it feels like you're seeing John Hammond's dream finally realized Um, so I always feel like there's a lot of heavy uh, emotional value behind that moment Um, and then I think there's like elements in Fallen Kingdom and dominion that resonate quite a bit as well like fallen kingdom i think about some of the cinematography um Mm -hmm. especially that shot of the brachiosaurus on the pier that kind of feels like the sort of definitive um cinematography that you would expect in jurassic park you know those kind of moments that really visually stay with you um and then i think dominion really did some interesting things in terms of um just exploring the wider ecosystem I suppose I always feel like that's something that would have naturally come in Jurassic Park so Mm -hmm. I thought it was quite interesting seeing them building on that and that felt like something that was quite natural as well um I feel like maybe this is just because I'm a massive fan of the franchise but there isn't actually a Jurassic film that I dislike so I think there's like little elements of the first film in all of them, but I think the first film is just such a perfect combined package that nothing has ever really reached that height.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think, like, me, me too, to an extent, I'm not, I'm not huge on Fallen Kingdom and Dominion, though there are parts like that I, that I do enjoy. Um, but i i do like the the basically the first four like i like yeah. lost world and Jurassic Park 3 i know was was considered a big letdown but like the, it's still enjoyable it's so quick too it like having yeah. watched it recently i'm like it's only like an hour and a half it is a really fast movie and and i just think like Jurassic Park was set up to really be a one and done and yeah. it, it, and it's it's kind of a great example too of why hollywood sometimes doesn't know like less is more or or yeah like just let a good thing go when it's when it's at its best because the the book there was not going to be a follow-up to jurassic park the book and they only had Crichton write it because they're like holy crap this is so successful um (laughs) we need to do another film yeah, (laughs) yeah yeah it's funny everything they joke about kind of in jurassic world about like oh we got to make the new the hybrids and this and that and it's like well i get what you're saying but you're also basically doing the exact thing that yeah (laughs) that you guys make fun of yourselves for but yeah i mean i do think like ultimately jurassic park is like the godfather of of these type of movies where and it still looks good today too. That's the amazing thing you talked about. Yeah, the visual effects. The visual effects still look better than they really hold up. Like eighty-five to ninety percent of what comes out nowadays from any big budget thing. Like it just looks so crisp still.
3: Yeah, I mean you're not going to be hearing any complaints about heads in this film compared to yeah. the most recent four film. <laughs>
0: No, no, exactly. So I guess in closing, like I said, these are going to be kind of short uh, little interviews, but I guess in closing, um, what are just kind of like your final thoughts um, about about its legacy, the legacy of Jurassic Park? And then if you can kind of let my audience know where they could find you and, and what some of the stuff you have coming up.
3: Yeah, sure thing. So I, I think the legacy really is this community, right? Um, And it's conversations like this, you know, the fact that we're having this conversation, I think that these films really have left behind, or at least this film has left behind a generation of people who are invested in cinema, who love dinosaurs, who love creative storytelling. Um, so I really hope that the legacy of this is maybe it inspires some of the next great filmmakers to go out and uh produce their own films um i think that it definitely has got that motivating factor for so many people so i think there's a legacy in terms of the community that surrounds this film and hopefully we will see that grow and expand and it will lead to a future for the franchise as well which would be cool to see um so in, in terms of where you can Check me out if you want to connect with me. Um, Feel free to come and hang out on Twitter or Instagram at TomJurassic. You'll find me quite easily over there. Um, I also record frequently for the Jurassic Park podcast. And at the moment, we are airing an audio drama series set between Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World Dominion. Um, called Tales from a Jurassic World and we literally just dropped episode 4 45 minutes ago so come check out that audio drama um, it's been a lot of fun working on that and I'm really excited to work on season two
0: awesome man well hey thank you again for coming on and like I said we'll 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 definitely do uh another Jurassic Park thing down the 100%. road 100%
3: or a Jurassic right. World thing, right, Nick? Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. You know what? Now <laughs> we can, we can, we'll could, could, we we be able to move on to Jurassic World because that would be a fun one to examine, too. Um, there we go. So, all right, man. Well, thank you again, Tom. It's been a pleasure. How do you know they're all female when
2: somebody okay. goes out to the park and pull up the dinosaur skirts?
0: We control their chromosomes. It's really not that difficult. All vertebrate embryos are inherently female anyway. They just require an extra hormone given at the right developmental stage to make them male. We simply deny them that. Deny them that? John, the kind of control you're attempting is, uh, it's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history
2: of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but, uh, oh, there it is.
3: There
2: it is. You're implying that
1: a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm,
0: I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. All right. Uh, now I'd like to welcome uh, two guests, uh, and they are the host of the Ramblin' on Amblin podcast. Uh, if you guys would uh, like to explain, this is Andy and Josh. Uh, why don't you guys explain your podcast a little bit in case people who can't see the logo don't understand what it's about. Absolutely. Andy, do you want to kick us off?
1: Yeah, I can do. It began one drunken night in one of the lockdowns <laughs> when we were sat around going, we should do a podcast together, man. <laughs> uh, so many great podcasts began. <laughs> yeah. And great ideas, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we very much just kind of, I just had a thought. It was like, ooh, Amblin movies. That's a a big thing for us, particularly Mm -hmm. in our generation growing up, particularly in the point in the podcast series that we are at now. So Ramblin very much goes through, in chronological order, the films of Amblin Entertainment, which is the production company that Steven Spielberg, Frank Marshall, and Kathleen Kennedy started back in the early 80s and is responsible for everything from et to back to the future um hook and of course jurassic park and still producing films to this day <laughs> and so we thought all right we've got a good healthy healthy chunk of films that go through here and all ones that we have like this kind of nostalgic connection to but also you, you get to kind of dabble in both some of the biggest films of all time and also some of this weird stuff that really slipped through (laughs) the (laughs) gaps
0: lost in the pop cultural memory yeah the the one that's dropping on the day we're recording is one that i think uh qualifies for that with the mask of zorro that is uh, a, a an interesting one from the 90s that people who didn't watch it i don't even know if they remember that movie but it's a I was when yeah, I saw that I was like, that "That's right, day. they did that one." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they should, they should see it. That was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, I'm excited to listen to that one. Uh, I was, I was just uh, telling Andy before we were recording. I'm like, "Yep, I remember the old show. They used to rerun it at Nick at Night, obviously years after, but back when Nick at Night would show black and white shows mm-hmm. and just the theme song of the Z that stands for Zorro." Zorro, Zorro. <laughs> I'm like. Yeah, so no, that I have a fondness for that one. Uh, but so I wanted to have you guys on today because when this episode drops, it will have been the 30th anniversary of mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, which is just crazy that a movie that you know came out when I was a little kid that it's like, oh my god, that's right, it's turning 30 this year, which is insane, <laughs> and and how good it still looks for a 30 year old movie. Um, so let's do this. Um, let's start with Josh. I want to know like. Kind of what's your, you know, relationship or fondness for Jurassic Park?
2: The, Jurassic Park is always, I think, the first two films in particular, because mm-hmm. they were the more foundational ones from a very young age. They were always films that I kind of half-glimpse. <laughs> ah, I see your anger. <laughs> very Fly Lost World t-shirt there. <laughs> yeah. They were always films. The first one is one that I would often catch at friends' houses in bits, and it looked very scary, and there were rumors circulating around the playgrounds about, oh, there's a scene where a guy gets eaten on the toilet, <laughs> which was always pretty <laughs> But I was a bit of a scaredy cat when I was young, uh, which applied even more so for the sequel, which we mentioned on our Lost World episode mm-hmm. on Ramblin'. That was one of the first memories I have of a, a cultural phenomenon that I experienced in real time. And I remember really wanting to go see it, but again, being petrified by the trailers and the apparent gore that I was warned of in that film. So it's always been something that's been very appealing from an adventurous point of view, but also something that really scared me from a very, very young age. Um, But I do, I think the first one in particular is one that has endured throughout my life. And I do return to on an almost annual basis, Mm -hmm. whereas the sequels have varying degrees of mileage for me. (laughs) As as I grow, there there are bits that I do like in the second and and the third, which we'll get to on our Mm -hmm. podcast soon enough. The Jurassic World movies remains to be seen upon <laughs> revisiting. We'll see how they fare, <laughs> but I think the first one particularly Very diplomatic does. <laughs> <of movies>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is an episode
0: about love. Yeah, yeah. So we'll keep,
2: keep things on the positive yeah, we, side. We, we
0: could do a whole segment on what we don't like about <laughs> yeah. Jurassic World ones, and, and I, I'm a semi-fan of those. But like, there's yeah. definitely yeah. a lot. To, uh, yeah, <laughs> took a couple to wrong to turns. Get into on. That.
2: But I think the first one particularly stands up as uh, a testament to what can be done within the, the confines of a blockbuster by someone who understands how to play the audience like a fiddle, but also is not content to rest on their laurels uh, and, and is, is willing to challenge what can be done within those boundaries uh, and what can sort of be said and how it can be done and said. Nice. Yeah. What about you,
1: Andy? What's kind yeah, of some of the... Yeah, I was well i was a big dino kid when I was little. <laughs> and so when you you kind of get frustrated with this idea of a film that is set in a world where scientists are figuring out how to bring dinosaurs back in the chaos and shoes that's instantly like oh, oh this could be my favorite film ever <laughs> still still pretty much is to this day i mean i i regularly go back to the first one it's one that i will watch at least once a year and like i'll there's a cinema in London called the Prince Charles Cinema that is quite renowned for like doing 35 mil prints of things. So, whenever it's back there, I'll go see it there. I've seen it with a live orchestra twice, oh. uh, reduced to tears twice. <laughs> 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 but it is one of those quintessential blockbusters that is a, a. If someone's like, why do you like movies so much? It's like, oh, because things like Jurassic Park exist. It's something mm. that mar- marries. Uh, awe and spectacle with horror and excitement and frills and like you say when you're younger you kind of look at it as a movie that brings dinosaurs back to life and then when you're older you kind of you, you grow to appreciate exactly what this movie means in the grand pantheon of mm-hmm. movie making mm-hmm. and what, what kind of new era it beckons in as a kind of ground pay, groundbreaking piece of work with particularly visual effects. But then also how it's quite a unique beast in its marrying of like quite quite complex uh um existential questions that it mm. throws up like it's a film that really <clears throat> enjoys the spectacle of it and then will take a minute to have its main characters sit around the dinner table <laughs> and discuss, yeah. discuss the philosophy at stake here and it's like Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his, his rich,
0: well, star. especially oh, with I'm like thinking. the AI stuff going on now, I go, you would think mm. movies like you know, there's probably some rich guy who's like, I bet you we could clone dinosaurs and it <laughs> yeah. wouldn't go bad. Someone's and it's like, got it. Not yeah, so it's like, crossed like... Elon Musk's mind. You know, it has. <laughs> yeah. so he's asked people about that. <laughs> he's, he's got a checklist. He's like, dinosaurs. I could probably make that happen. I mean, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a movie that when you guys talk about revisiting, um, I think that's probably one of the most enduring legacies of it is it's so rewatchable. But mm-hmm. I think as you get older, I, sometimes I just like to rewatch parts of it where it's like, you know, th- they're, they're seen when they're discussing, like you said, the existentialism of... What, what you're doing here, it's not the same as like Jeff Goldblum brings it up, you know, like no condors are on the verge of extinction because of mm-hmm. deforestation and stuff, not because a giant meteor took them out, you know, and and I think uh, part of the, you know, one of the best lines of the, of the whole series is, you know, where he's like, your scientists were so preoccupied if they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And that's kind of the cautionary tale of Jurassic Park is, you know, great intentions, but also like you're just pushing it way too far yeah
1: sweet sweet hubris (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) and he does it in such a nice way too now i I don't remember from listening to uh when you guys covered Jurassic park did you guys have you ever read the book or listened to the book Mm -hmm. yeah so what what are your thoughts on then about how spielberg and the and the you know the writers like took what they could from the book and how they did it to a movie. Cause having listened to, I love both. I love the book and the movie, but I also know like in 93, if you were going to try to make more of like straight adaptation, it probably would have been impossible. Mm -hmm. Mm. I also think like it would have been a much harder
1: edged film. It would like, cause the the book is particularly uh, as is Crichton. He's just a bit more, slightly more adult, slightly more, a bit more violent. Mm. and uh, i always think back to like the when the first movie was coming out there was very much a bidding war for that book mm-hmm. and one of the guys who was very much on the on the cusp of getting it before spielberg swoops in and kind of takes out all the competition is james cameron and i could mm. feel that would fit the more techno thriller aspect of mm-hmm. michael Crichton's work but with what like kind of spielberg takes with that text is like he recognizes the overall appeal that dinosaurs have it's not dinosaurs are something that fascinate kids and uh, adults alike so to kind of cut one off would seem like you're really limiting the potential of the this story so to kind of take that book that is a bit more harder edged and open it up a bit more whilst kind of maintaining the uh frills and fret level of it i think is part of why it's again I pair it with jaws as kind of my go-to examples of when someone says, when have they actually done a film that was better than the book? And I was like, mm. I think jaws address at park are very good examples of, of films that are better than the source material. <laughs> I think especially especially
0: jo- <clears throat> Yeah. Oh, jaws. Espe- oh, sorry. Yeah. Jaws, especially jaws I've heard especially. a lot of people who are like, no, the jaws book, while it was a bestseller, didn't mean it was, be- but like, there's so much, much going trash. on in that book. That, yeah. It's like, it's like he took like, he's like, we don't need all this side story we need three yeah. guys hunting a shark we don't need this and we're gonna Suzy get affair, yeah something. exactly <laughs> oh my god yeah that yeah that would have been man what a different movie that would have been if, yeah. if hooper was banging mrs brody that would have been uh, <laughs> he might have let him die in the cage then. Yeah. like you know what i'm gonna loosen this up so the shark does get you <laughs> Oh, but go ahead, Josh. <laughs> I think what's very
2: telling about the film version is that Spielberg saves Hammond and gives Hammond a moment mm. of redemption and essentially gives him the final line of the film. Um, I think he sees something of himself in that man who's so desperate to entertain that maybe sometimes he, he will overreach or you know, <laughs> use his power in, in evil ways, as in the film Hook. But um, I think in, in doing that, it's kind of like, it's similar to how uh, Ryan Coogler writes... Killmonger, like his perspective on Black Panther is kind of Killmonger's. He mm-hmm. allies himself with the villain. Spielberg understands fundamentally what Hammond's trying to do. So there, there is that kind of. It makes more complex in a way what Crichton wrote in his original book. It's not just a techno mm-hmm. thriller that sort of fetishizes what its uh, science is, is doing. It's a, it's a, a film that understands the innate need to, to sort of seek out spectacle and mm-hmm. sometimes how that can blind you to. The human nature i think spielberg sees something beyond what Croton may have originally mm. written about which gives it sure. a fascinating uh heart but not in the cloying way that detractors can sometimes accuse spielberg of having
0: mm-hmm. oh for sure yeah and i mean the probably the character who changes the most from book to mm. screen is hammond because he's the He's the villain in yeah, that book. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, mean he's not, to he's not everybody. Like in the book. <laughs> <He's>, no, <laughs> no, <his> no. <laughs> no, yeah, he's, he's like, and I mean, his, uh, yeah, hey, spoiler alert for a book that's been out since 92. Um, His death is pretty great in the book. Cause you're yeah, just like, he yeah, he kind of deserves it because he's been a giant piece of crap uh, <laughs> to like every, like, you know, it's, it's just, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, yeah. but, but I, I must say though, I would love to see a, like a, a mini series Based off the book, with like a great director and a studio that's like, look, we will give you whatever you need to do as mm-hmm. many uh, real, di- you know, well, animatronic dinosaurs. We will not get in the way. And I, w- I would love to see like a, cause you would have to do a miniseries because it would be way too long, but I'd mm-hmm. love to see just a miniseries of how another director's perspective with just doing it based right off the book where the characters mm-hmm. are the same. Cause there's a couple scenes I would love to see in the book on screen. Yeah. And I, but I understand why Spielberg couldn't do it because it's like like the the t-rex on the in the river scene yeah Uh, when he's chasing i would love to see that but i also know like in 93 you're like look we're already pushing it enough with the (laughs) t-rex chasing the car i couldn't imagine to try to do a half animatronic (laughs) in the water and then half do it with cgi um but i mean ultimately i mean i love the movie so i'm not saying don't remake the movie but if Mm. if i would i would it would be cool if like warner brothers was like here's $300 $300 million to some really good director, you know, like, yeah. And here I'm you good. go. Just do an exact <laughs> thing of the book. Uh, because yeah, every character is so different. You know, the lawyer is actually a good guy. Yeah. Uh, Muldoon's uh, a drunk. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, we technically don't know if he's not though. Yeah, Muldoon seems pretty. He, <laughs> he seems pretty see straight laced though. The whole time with those yeah. high socks and the shorts <laughs> together. And the shirt yeah. Tucked in, yeah. <laughs> Um so do you guys have uh any either particular favorite moment, favorite scenes, type of quotes like ones that have just stuck with you, you know, your your whole lives as you watch like you guys said, you revisit this movie, you mm-hmm. know, annually and is there anything like that has stuck with you the whole time or or have a favorite scene? I tell you what, a
2: very formative nightmare image for me that even to this day rattles me uh, is the death of Nedry by the hands of Andy. What's the name of that dinosaur? Allosaurus.
1: Little...
2: <laughs> yes. What? What? What you just said? <laughs> uh, that. the whole. To
1: come to me for dinosaur
2: pronunciations. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my pronunciations fall uh, falter, so with dinosaurs especially, I have to just defer to Andrew and not try. And so you're me. the gala Gala...
0: Mama. You know what? What is? What is it, Andy? What's the... <laughs> Yeah,
2: yeah, but no the whole build-up of Nedry's death—it's uh, so—it's so cheeky. It's—he's so deserving of, of that grisly death. <laughs> mm-hmm. It really makes you have a bit of bloodlust, uh, and obviously, Wayne Knight plays it so well. But that little cheeky dinosaur um, <laughs> is is so terrifyingly designed. I cannot cannot get out of my head that image of him with his little—I don't even know what you call them—little. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yep. I don't. Yeah,
0: like really? whatever it is yeah. <laughs> for people that, who can't see, and we're all acting it out. Of yeah. How it yeah, yeah. Whenever I hear a little chirp in the woods, I,
2: I, I have to, I have to. I'm, like, I'm often. <laughs> yeah. It's rare that I'm in the woods, to be fair. But whenever <laughs> <laughs> I do find myself in the woods, hear a little chirp, I realize yes, this is why I don't come in the woods very often. Mm-hmm. That is a, that is a, a, a the iconic moment, I think, for for yeah. Josh Glen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think myself it's kind of
1: like it's the the kind of the two showcase scenes that kind of pivot on both of the film's strengths. So you have the the Brachiosaurus moment where everybody sees a dinosaur for the first time, and you get the triumphant, uh, angelic, John Williams score for this moment of incredible spectacle and and reveling in the beauty of what has been and the kind of overwhelming awe of what's been created, and then smash cut to like half an hour later with a t-rex escaping from a paddock with zero music thunder, mm. lightning mm. rain horror darkness and just a real sense of like oh okay no that this is there's a very short-lived moment of enjoying the kind of mm. spectacle of this thing the and splendor. now now here we get into the the uh kind of sins coming, (laughs) paying the the dues for the sins that the scientists have committed and get to this point. And really why everyone's all there is to see the T-Rex and see it. (laughs) So so it's these two kind of uh, the two images that really uh, encapsulate what I think the film's going for or Mm. horror spectacle. And mm. that marriage <laughs> yeah
0: and it's really a testament for spielberg of how you could make two of the biggest blockbusters of all time that are monster movies essentially mm-hmm. that's the, the the villains in those movies but not have to use a death count to like mm, or yeah. or have to do jump scares you know because like you said first time the t-rex gets down and dirty it's been already past a half hour it's mm-hmm. yeah, probably yeah, between that half no more, hour yeah. 45 minute mark before you you really see like oh man this thing is terrifying on um, mm-hmm. net. and the scene is too he's torturing kids in that scene like yeah. the t-rex is trying to eat two kids which thanks to jaws you're like you don't know the book you're like well that could happen like they could get killed here because we mm-hmm. know he's not afraid to kill a kid in uh in something <laughs> yeah. so um but you know jaws is very similar to where it's like look you don't see the shark much and the deaths in that movie are pretty spread out it's not like mm-hmm. it's oh he kills someone every 10 minutes or so it's like no they're they're pretty few and far between minus the first two that are semi-quick um but then you have a pretty big gap so i think again it just shows you how in the wrong hands, Jurassic park could have been what it kind of turned into now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Cause even, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into this in like a second. Um, but even as much as I know, kind of critics didn't care for the lost world. I mm. still think because it's Spielberg and he was excited to do it, but like, it's still such a well-made movie, Ooh, even yeah. if it's not yeah. a great movie, but I, I think it's like, so far in a way a better than all the other ones that came after it. When you see that, like, okay, he, at least it looks good. He still tried to do a ton of as much as those, like the puppet, you know, that they could use. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it, it doesn't look bad. The CGI still is pretty solid overall and maybe yeah. one of the coolest, you know, RIP Eddie, uh, but oh, one of the Eddie. coolest scenes, but so, also Eddie. just tear. I felt so bad, but you know what? his death in the book is so lame that at least in the movie, because literally my my wife laughs about it, where he just falls out of the high hide in uh, the book and it goes, oh no, and that's his last line. And then raptors pick him apart. So again, sorry, spoiler alert for the Lost World Jurassic Park, but Eddie's death in the movie is so much better. better. Uh, And like the fact that his last line, like we're listening to it on Audible and the guy's like, no. And then they're like, and then Eddie was ripped apart by Velociraptors. And it's like, yeah, no, his death sucks in the book, at least in the movie. It's, it's, he goes out a hero, not he just a, a fool who fell oh, out. Poor course <laughs> oh, Eddie. Oh, I know he, it was, it was one of those deaths that I'm like, it's every time watching it as a kid, I was like, no, just Eddie, just drive away. Just drive You're away. Fine. Don't I'm like, let them, leave they're them. fine. They're fine. Leave them, leave them. them. Leave them. The leave they party. suck. Yeah. It's all their fault. Yeah. They'll be fine. They're three of the main characters. Just run, (laughs) Eddie. Run! (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so I guess let's, because we've kind of tiptoed around it. Look, you guys have showed a lot of love for Jurassic Park. Um, But kind of now, and we could be a little cynical on this, uh, or, or, and you could tell me about the parts you love from it, but kind of what has been your overall either thoughts or kind of viewpoints of the Jurassic, we'll call it the Jurassic franchise because Jurassic mm-hmm. world, as much as it tries to be its own, it still is part of, I mean, it's a sequel to Jurassic park. They just mm-hmm. change the name and try to like, I don't think they retcon stuff, but they do like, okay, we're going to not talk a ton about anything that wasn't in the first movie. Mm. Yeah. Um, I like for the most
1: part, I do like, most of the movies in this franchise and I, I think this is something particularly I know how Josh kind of feels uh, to the franchise as a whole inherently the kind of idea of a Jurassic Park sequel shouldn't really work so it is kind of like a very contained thing on this mm-hmm. island and, and where you kind of then expand it it does become it is a bit of a point of like the only way you can expand it is to kind of spread it out across the world which is what they do eventually do to a, it, to a point. To a point. They kind of like, yeah, they. The, the eventual point that we kind of get to in Dominion seems to even struggle to know exactly what to mm. do with the idea of it all being out there in the world. But I do think, um, particularly sticking with like the original trilogy, I, I, I have a lot of fondness with The Lost World, Grant it, mm. a lot to do with the kind of entrenched nostalgia of it. But I also think it's Spielberg wanting to, it's an interesting view of kind of if Jurassic Park is Spillberg, the blockbuster filmmaker, uh, pre-Schindler's List, then The Lost World is a really mm. uh, interesting introduction into it, how he is as a blockbuster m- filmmaker, post-Schindler's List, where he is kind of a bit more adult. He's more mature and he's a little less uh, concerned with being as cutesy as he maybe was the first time out. And it is a much more darker tinged sequel for it and i think a good precursor to the likes of uh, ai and minority report and uh particularly war of the worlds as he gets uh, further into his career in the early noughties and then jp3 i again i have a lot of love for just because it's, it's something i remember getting really excited about when that was coming out the big Joe, Joe Johnson Jostin boys. <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah.
0: And you know what? It's a quick movie. It is an it's hour 90, and a half. 99. And they don't <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, <laughs> We ain't we ain't we trimming the fat off it. It <laughs> is just gonna be get us to this uh this island. <laughs> and
1: and I do like I remember getting so excited for when Jurassic World was coming out and really getting wrapped up in that hype um mm. in uh when that was coming together because it had been so long and like I was excited to see what the pro- possibility of it was now and I I do think each one of those movies gets progressively worse and they don't hold up very well on rewatch any of them but like I I appreciate like the idea of what they have to do to kind of expand it and just kind of doing something a bit more whole hog and arguably something a lot more Crichton-esque in Mm -hmm. the way it does develop the idea of DNA and genetics and this kind of genetic manipulation in the wider world but they are bigger broader monster movies than i think mm. any of uh particularly the first two in the franchise are that bothered at being mm. um but there, there's stuff i like the stuff i dislike but overall mm. as a franchise it's a, i own all of them on multiple <laughs> formats it's just one of these franchises where i will just i'll mm. just consume anything that's kind of thrown my way with it it's just something that
2: tickles Andy in the right way. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the franchise kind of bears out Ian Malcolm's words. Like they, obviously the first mm. one such a colossal hit. They know they can make more and therefore don't think about whether or not they should. And it's kind of a franchise that's always figuring out how to franchise itself as it's going along. Each mm-hmm. film is trying to justify its own existence to varying degrees of success. But I think that it's a very flimsy pretext that sets up each of the sequels. The, the Lost World it's, it, it ties itself in so many knots to justify them <laughs> returning to this place. Yeah. Same with the third one. And then the sequel trilogies is a whole different kettle of fish. But th- there's something interesting. I, I do find that on a sort of extra textual level, uh, they're all fascinating in their own ways. Yeah. And like you say, especially looking at Spielberg's two films, pre and post Oscar, mm-hmm. sort of still in his blockbuster heyday versus the sort of darker, more brooding, more you know, in inverted commas, mature Spielberg, seeing how he navigates those two films either side. So there is is certainly value. I think I'm a little less forgiving than you are, but then I've got my own franchise- books to bear you know i, I think i for <laughs> crocodile dundee for some, for some
0: reason. <laughs> oh man well you've seen the uh, not to get a tangent on crocodile dundee but the fake crocodile dundee with uh, danny mcbride when they were just doing yeah. Australia, and i'm like <laughs> yeah i really don't want to see that movie because they had so many people and it, it actually looked really funny i'm like oh, they couldn't have just made like a tv movie of that like but <laughs> yeah uh well it's funny too you know two of So not counting Indiana Jones, because that was Mm -hmm. him and Lucas. So like two of Spielberg's franchises that weren't meant to be franchises, Jaws Mm -hmm. and Jurassic Park he yeah. ties the bow perfectly on both of them mm. now he doesn't return for jaws clearly he was like no that's a one and done that was a nightmare yeah. of a shoot it's a classic oh, no. movie shark
1: again yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah
0: like oh another big shark and then like one that follows his family in the fourth one that makes oh, yeah. no sense like like that franchise goes way off the rails but like jurassic park clearly was a spielberg it was the biggest hit of all time at the time like you mm. have to do a sequel and it's like well, okay, if we're going to do a sequel. I'm going to do it how I want. And mm. then, Crichton, you have to write a book. Like, it was yeah. definitely not a well-thought-out sequel, I but... It's
1: like, even Crichton yeah. doesn't like sequels. No. Crichton's <laughs>
0: like, wait, what? I have to write a whole other... He's like, no, damn long Jurassic Park. <laughs> I don't um, want to,
2: but also money.
0: Yeah, he's like, you know what? They
2: showed him the check, and he
0: looked at it and was like, I'll get you a sequel. Give me give me three weeks. I got you something. <laughs> but, like, you, you are right, though. I never thought about his career pre and post Schindler's List. And, by the way, mm-hmm. the ultimate flex of a director who mm-hmm. knows his shit is to do that Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. No director yeah. will ever have a year that good. I, I don't care who you are. Like, that's insane that you make yeah. – an all time great drama about a subject matter that ends up being a huge financial hit too yeah. in a mm-hmm. black and white three hour long Holocaust movie. And then the most, maybe one of the most important, you know, CGI blockbusters uh, of all time. So mm. yeah, just, just insane. But, uh, I was going to say, what's, so Josh, what's your uh, cross to bear franchise really quick. I know you said crocodile Dundee, but is um, there like a, a, in, not in, in a, in a more serious <laughs> way,
2: I, I, I suppose,
0: uh, Obviously,
2: Back to the Future is, is my equivalent of uh, Jurassic Park and what that is to Andy. And I, I think I like the second one in particular. Oh, actually, no, I'm overlooking the most obvious one, the Matrix movies.
1: <laughs> I, I really, really,
2: even even before the tide sort of turned back towards parts two and three, leaving aside four for the time being, I was very, very much into the world they created okay. and what their sisters were mm-hmm. attempting with those films. And uh, I, I do feel slightly vindicated in that people are coming around a little bit to <laughs> the sequels, particularly in light of Across the Spider-Verse and what that's doing and how reloaded-y that is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I think I, I have much more of an emotional investment in those films <laughs> than these. Hey, so I, can, fair. <laughs> I can understand, though, one's uh, mm-hmm. seeking of um, redemption in
0: the Jurassic Park sequels. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in Jurassic World, the the three of them definitely feel more like the studio being like, we need spectacle and yeah. Colin Trevorrow being like, OK, I'm not trying to say he's a good or bad director, mm-hmm. but being like, OK, I get it. Like, because the first Jurassic World's not bad. It's just yeah. y- they took the idea and then just they d- they didn't know what they wanted to do with it. And I think Dominion's a great example. You couldn't mm. go all the way Planet of the Apes where dinosaurs are now actually like in your society they they hint at it and then they end up right back in basically a park again Mm -hmm. full of (laughs) dinosaurs (laughs) like it's it's yeah it's 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 a baffling and for me the only reason why i was excited for dominion personally was i'm like i just want the 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 og3 back from Mm. the like it was just good to see them even though i know they're like oh this story's nowhere near in the same like universe (laughs) of (laughs) the first one um but yeah, I, I do think Jurassic Park as a franchise is one of the most fascinating in Hollywood history, mm-hmm. just because they're always cash cows, even when they're not good. And like a bad Jurassic Park movie's box office is still, still really, good. like, really, really good. <laughs> where any movie would be like, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take that failure of a, of a box yeah. office uh, run. I mean, Like even the yeah. World movies, each one made. <laughs> over a billion <laughs> yeah that's it i could i, mean, I couldn't believe dominion ma- or not dominion yeah, um kind of fallen through. kingdom made a billion after it got yeah. crushed after that <laughs> opening weekend and it still made and I, I remember it was the first jurassic park movie i actually after seeing it once did not like uh because yeah. i like three yeah. i think three has while well, it's again nowhere like near three. the first there's there's fun stuff in three and it's harmless it's nice. i just <laughs> absolutely yeah fallen kingdom that one pissed me off even my sister who never gets mad when we got out she goes that was stupid why did they let all these dinosaurs out that could kill people and i'm like yeah that was the studio going uh we got one more up our sleeves just in case you thought it wasn't a sequel (laughs) putting a hat on a hat on a hat oh stupid clone girl oh my god (laughs) just i I would forgotten about that as well until you just (laughs) mentioned it jesus
2: even more hats
0: I know, the ultimate, like, how do we get this back to getting dinosaurs out? Oh, we'll just say, not that they accidentally leave. No, you let this girl just openly let dangerous dinosaurs. Not mm-hmm. like this is a bunch of, like, t- like, triceratops, where you're like, okay, I'll let them out, and we'll just round them up eventually. Like, there's, there's f- meat eaters <laughs> that you just let out, including a T-Rex, which, newsflash, ain't going to help you out. Uh, he's going to try to eat you. She's got a lot of blood on her hands that yeah. clone girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when they they mention it briefly in the third one, they're like, "Oh yeah, they kill like 40 something people a year." And I'm like, "That's all on you, clone girl." You, you. you. And, and yet no one treats you like what you did was wrong. They're like, "No, it's it's understandable cuz she's nice and she's a clone." <laughs> anyway, uh so any any kind of final thoughts from you guys on just uh just Jurassic Park in general and then uh you know, want you guys to kind of let my my audience know where they could find you and a little bit about Mm. your uh what you guys got coming up on your podcast
1: yeah i'll 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 kick off i'll I'll just say like i think even we've kind of talked about how the it it is very much a franchise probably a diminishing returns but i don't think anything is ever anything will ever rob the, the the power that the first one still has i think it's very much a franchise that even younger audiences who may be coming into it and world are kind of going back to the original free and finding that there's still a lot to offer there, both in the kind of richness of its characters and also of its of the spectacle that it has to offer. And I, yeah, it's still for me a very much a the high benchmark of that kind of Hollywood filmmaking, uh, mm-hmm. no matter what where it kind of goes and where it might go in the future, because. Um, no franchise stays dead for very long. <laughs>
0: yeah, if an asteroid can't wipe out this franchise, then, uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I
2: mean, that's probably the best final word. They, they just they they mostly hold up. There's something to enjoy in most of them, at least in those first three. <laughs> like I say, I haven't seen the sequel series for a while, so I'll, I'll keep still on that one. Yeah, but um, there's just some exemplary filmmaking obviously in the first two particularly but joe johnson's a guy we really rate and he he acquits himself well in the world it's a nice little fleet concise trim more family friendly b-movie but still actually has
0: now i'm thinking about it quite a few moments of oh yeah no there's there's definitely some i watched it uh not too long ago i was like man i know people Mm. I, I think some people have come around on it. I especially mm. think after the Jurassic World movies, it's like, actually, you know what? Three is pretty entertaining and qu- again, mm-hmm. quick. It's yeah. Yeah. at worst is it's like it just trims all the fat off of what the other movies have added. Mm-hmm. So all right, and then uh where everyone could find you guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Where you can find us on Twitter at Ramblin' Amblin, and the uh the podcast itself is available wherever you do get your podcasts. At the time of recording we've just released our affirmation mask zorro episode so we're right into the late 90s now Mm -hmm. Um, about to our our next upcoming episode will be saving private ryan and then we're kind of getting out of out of the late 90s and into the early noughties where we will be touching upon Jurassic park 3 and then going on to the future we will also be covering those world movies so um yeah Mm -hmm. there's still plenty of amblin amblin uh joints for us to get to so that, that we're a good way through the journey there's a lot to go back on but we've still got a good way to go it's, uh...
2: exciting times to come the dark spielberg paranoid sci-fi films yeah. flintstones and
0: diva rock vegas it, it's endless <laughs> really it's a pretty dark movie diva <laughs> rock <laughs> vegas <laughs> Well, Andy and Josh, man, thank you guys so much for uh, for joining me on this episode. This was a lot of fun, man. I enjoyed get to actually finally get to meet you guys. You know, yeah, part of our yeah. little Twitter uh, podcast group that we have. So, all right, man, thank you guys so much for coming on. All right, thanks. For Pleasure. You. Thanks so thank much. You. Take care. <laughs> thank uh my uh awesome guests uh josh andy and tom you guys are great thank you so much for coming on for this special episode and i want to thank everyone for listening uh my final thoughts um you know not much left could be said that we didn't talk about uh in the two interviews um this is one of my all-time favorite films i think it's incredibly rewatchable it still looks great 30 years later and i think it's a movie that's going to be timeless where years down the road people will be discovering this movie going, wow, this still looks really good and still holds up all these years later. Um, For the Q recommendation, obviously Jurassic Park. Uh, If you have Peacock Network, it's currently streaming on there Uh, or catch it on TV, but definitely check out Jurassic Park and maybe give a rewatch to the Lost World, Jurassic Park and uh, Jurassic Park three. I think they're a little more enjoyable than people give them credit for, but again, check them out if you have the time, but for sure, Rewatch Jurassic Park, uh, and to close this episode out, uh, to quote Dr. Ian Malcolm in one of my favorite little bits in the movie: "See here, uh, I'm now sitting by myself, uh, talking to myself, and that's that's chaos theory." This has been another edition of Nick Flick's Podcast. I would love to hear your feedback on the movies discussed in today's episode. Feel free to leave a comment on the official Nick Flick's Twitter page, which is at Nick Flick's Pod, or on Instagram at Nick Flick's Podcast. You could also give a follow and leave a review on either Apple or Spotify that will help me reach a bigger audience. Thank you all, and stay tuned next to see what's in the queue.